Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Past couple of weeks, since the start of April, we've been talking uh, about what happened at the cross. And Pastor Dwayne spoke about what happened at the cross. He also spoke about the divine exchange. And he also spoke, and Minister Cleve, Clevon spoke about how to live in light of the cross. I'm going to continue with that same premise, those same subjects today, and I'm going to give you the gospel unfiltered. And that's just basically, basically me telling you, I'm going to give you the gospel, and we're going to speak about these other subjects as well, and we're going to tie it all up. Amen? So uh, let's, go to the, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity <clears throat> to speak your word and to speak your word to your people. I pray that none of me but all of you, and I pray that I may decrease so that you may increase. And let not my words just go in one ear, not the other, let my words go in the ears and touch the hearts of your people. Father, I pray that I have total recall of your message and let your message be spoken through my mouth and use my voice so that your people may be ministered to. And I thank you right now, Father God, that lives will be changed. It just, this will not be another message that they hear, but this is a message they can hear and apply to their lives. And I also like to continue to uplift Pastor Dwayne and the whole Wright family, the whole Wright household, Father, continue to heal them. And I also like to continue to heal KLM members, Father. And I also, also want to heal those that are listening that may be sick, Father. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. The gospel unfiltered. I'm giving it to you with no sugar coat. And this will change your life. You will look at Easter Sunday in a whole different light. So let's get into this. Let me give you an example of, a, of an athlete. Let's just say this athlete, it doesn't matter, boy or girl, whatever, whatever profession it is, whatever sport it is, it doesn't really matter but they're a professional athlete and they knew everything that they had to do to become a, a professional athlete. They knew how to practice, eat right, do all the right things. And then somewhere along the line, they stopped doing that. Pride took over or other distractions took over and they stopped doing the things that got them to that professional level. And they started eating bad food, uh, eating, eating a lot of raw junk food, drinking a lot of bad stuff, smoking a lot of bad stuff, using and abusing, not practicing anymore, not getting enough sleep, and they even had yes-men in their corner saying, you got this, you know what you're doing. And so they wake up one day and they're overweight, they're out of shape, they got health problems, you know, their body's deteriorating, their, their professional career is on the rocks, it's about to crash and burn because they are no longer at that top uh, peak of athletic performance. 
And so they're just sitting there in bed, you know, dying, you know, physically dying in their body, and their career is about to be over. No Hall of Fame, none of that. It just it's about it's literally about to hit the wall and just that's it. And so someone comes along and tells him, hey, you know what? It looks bad right now, but I can get you, I know someone who can help get your career back in shape, back in order, so you can be in top peak performance. And the athlete says, okay, who? And the guy tells him, I know this trainer who's also a nutritionist, and he can help you get back, back yourself, get yourself back together. Oh, okay, um, what I got to do to hook up with this guy? You don't have to do nothing. All you have to do is welcome him into your home, and he'll do the rest. And the guy says, oh, really? Just welcome to my home, he'll do the rest? Okay. How much is this going to cost? And the guy tells him, it's not going to cost you anything. He already paid for this. All you have to do is welcome him into your home, and he'll get your life back on track. And so he'll be able to save your, your life and your career. That sounds like some good news. You would sign up for that, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, sometimes the problem is some people won't take that offer. They'll either be lazy or set in their ways and comfortable with it, or they may even have yes men in their corner telling them, you don't need that trainer. Use my trainer or use that trainer, or you don't even need a trainer. You got, you know, you was born with this ability. You was born with this skill. Just keep doing what you're doing and you'll get your career back on order. But doing what they was doing got them in this, in this position that they're in. So I guess by now, if you don't know, that athlete, that professional athlete is an example of you and I. And of course, that trainer, that nutritionist is Jesus Christ. And as we're living our life, and some of us, we know what's right, but sometimes we, we do what's wrong. And Jesus is there to, to save, us from the, save us from what we was doing wrong to get our life back in order. Because we were headed for self-destruction. And sometimes we, we do self-destruct. And Jesus can save us from our own self-destruction. If you don't know what self-destruction is, uh, ask your parents, they'll tell you. Um, so uh, so how, what does this have to do with the gospel, though? Because I just told you that this is good news, that Jesus can save your life. And... The gospel is good news, but what does that really mean? Because you can leave this message, you can, go, you can leave church right now and say, I was at church and I got the good news. Well, what was the good news? Did somebody get married? What, what's the good news? The good news is the gospel. Then it's like, well, what is the gospel? All right, let's, now we're going to get into this. I'm going to tell you about what the gospel is, tell you why Jesus came to die, why, what the great exchange was, and why the cross is relevant. So by definition in the dictionary, the gospel is, one, one definition, one meaning for the word gospel is the teaching or revelation of Jesus Christ. Another one is a thing that is absolutely true. Okay? Another one is a set of principles or beliefs. Those by definition are true, but it's not the full total gospel. Picture this. If I tell you right now that Michael Jordan won six NBA championships with the Chicago Bulls. That's the truth. That's the fact. You say, hey, that, that's, that's in the gospel of, of truths when it comes to winning championships, that Michael Jordan won six of them with the Bulls. But if I come to you and I say, hey, Michael Jordan is the greatest NBA uh, basketball player of all time, 
somebody gonna come along and say, nah, what about LeBron? Or what about Kobe or Magic or, or Will or Bill Russell? You see, that's up for debate and that's up for argument. But when we talk about the gospel as, as it pertains to Jesus, there's no debate, there's no argument. The gospel is the truth. And we're going to further explain that to you. I'm going to further explain that to you. Because you're asking yourself, well, how does this pertain to the Bible, this truth, this, this good news? Let's, uh, let's go to the, uh, to the Bible. I'm using technology right here, and I'm reading out the ESV. I'm going, and as I, as I give you the gospel of what the good news is, you're probably asking yourself, is there any bad news? Yeah, there's some bad news. So let's start from there. Romans, uh, Romans 1, 18. I'll read it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by the unrighteousness suppresses the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. What is that saying? It's saying these are the, the wrath of God's gonna come down on people who exhibit these behavior, behaviors. Okay, if you jump over to Romans 3.23, it even says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's no, we're all, everyone has done this, everyone has fallen short, and so we all need Jesus. See, that's bad news when, when it tells you that all have, uh, <clears throat> all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So with the gospel, is, is Jesus Christ coming to save us from God's wrath. And even if you go continue over, I got more scriptures for you. So even Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, you work for a job, you get, your wages is your paycheck. When you work for sin, your wages is death. But because of Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. So that's the good news. And we we're going to even explain that even further because, yeah, that's good news, but how did we get to that good news? Well, I'm going to tell you how we got to that good news. There's actually, as it pertains to the gospel, it's actually nine saving acts of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And I'll tell them to you. And it's, you have to, have to get this into your to your mind, to your heart. This is very important. And these points are, as it pertains to the gospel, Jesus was born of a virgin. He walked on earth, lived a sinless life, teaching, preaching, and doing miracles. He died on the cross for our sins. He was resurrected. He ascended, to, he ascended into heaven. He, he sat on the right hand of, of Father God, he sent the Spirit to us. There's the intercession of Christ and his return. He's coming back. Those nine points right there 
fully uh, explain the gospel in God and how um, the saving acts of God. And if someone talks, ever talks to you about the gospel and things like of that nature, and these things aren't in there, it's probably not the full gospel or it's incomplete gospel. And in some cases, it, it just may not be the gospel. You do realize that other religions or other beliefs, they believe some of the gospel, not all of it, and it's not the full gospel. They may believe that Jesus was born a virgin and, and performed miracles and lived a sinner's life, but then it stops there. They don't believe that he was crucified or he was resurrected or ascended. So as believers, we know all those things I just mentioned is what happened, and that's, that's all part of the gospel leading us up to the good news. So you're sitting there saying, why is this good news? I will tell you why it's good news. Did you know there are at least 50 reasons why Jesus came to die? Yes, 50. I'm not going to tell you all 50 of them will be here for the next five hours. But there are 50 reasons why Jesus came to die. And everyone that was out there thinking, oh, I thought you just came to die for our sins, which is true. He came to die for the forgiveness of our sins. That is true. And there's a whole lot more. And I'll, 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 I'll tell you some of them right now. Like you said, Jesus died for our sins. If you go to Ephesians 1 and 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. That's saying through Jesus' blood we are forgiven. And what does forgiveness really mean? Uh, if you look at the word forgive, the word give is in it. And simply put, it's giving, forgiveness is when you give away your right to get back at somebody. Like if someone were to offend you or do you wrong, you have the right to actually get back at them to, to even the score, so to speak. But when you forgive, you say, no, you know what? I'm going to give away that ability or I'm going to give away that right to get even with you. And it's just going to give that right away. So that's what Jesus does with the blood. The blood washes away the sins that we did, which offended him. Are you with me? Yes. I can't. I can't see. So give some thumbs up if you if you are we still here. <clears throat> so another reason why Jesus came to die was to reconcile us to God. That's found in Romans five ten, where it says, "For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son." Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. At one point, we were enemies with God. But Jesus came to die, and instead of us bumping heads with God, being enemies, we're now reconciled to God. Uh, another reason why Jesus came to die so, is so that we might belong to him. This is found in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. You probably heard this one before. You are not your own, for you were bought with the price. Now, Jesus told this to the people. They was like, we were bought with the price. We're not, we're not slaves of nobody. But Jesus said, no, you were slaves, not to people necessarily, but you were slaves to sin. And Jesus being the truth, we all know the verse, the truth shall set, shall set you free. When, people, when we say the truth shall set you free, Jesus is the truth. So Jesus shall set you free. Set you free from what? Set you free from being a, sin to, being a slave to sin. So now, when Jesus died, you are no longer 
a slave to sin, but now you, you can be a servant to God. And because you're going to have to serve one or the other. You can't do both. You're going to be a slave to sin or be a slave to God. Jesus died so you no longer have to be a slave to sin. And that's good news. And, so, and the price was his life, his blood. And another one, I'll give you another one why Jesus, Jesus came to die is, ladies, you probably like this one, but it's to give marriage its deepest meaning. Ephesians 5.25, so you get marriage one-on-one in here too. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does that mean? Christ loved the church. Christ, he went through a lot for the church. He suffered for the church. He protected the church. He went all out for the church. He defended the church. He didn't abuse the church, even to the point where he came into the church and they was doing stuff wrong. He said, my house is not a, it's not a, my temple is not a house of these. And he threw the table up. So he really went all out for the church and ultimately he even died for the church. And I'm not saying the husbands you, that we're Jesus Christ and anything, but his attitude towards the church and the way he, he went all out for the church, that's how husbands should be with their wives. He was given that example. And so, yes, husbands, you protect your wife, go all out for your wife, don't abuse, all those things. And even wives, just as the church responded to Christ, that's how wives are to respond to their husbands. See, I just say somebody's marriage with that. But you can get marriage one-on-one here too. But this is why Jesus came to die. This is a couple of reasons. And this is all good news. And like I said, there's a whole lot more, but we're not going to get into them right now. And he went through a lot just to save us, but it's very important. And so, being that he went through a lot, I think we really have to get the visual. I know Pastor Dwayne spoke about it, and I'm going to add on to it, because you have to get this visual. And as I was uh, thinking about this, I remember something from my childhood. Don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this. When I was younger, I had my uh, younger brother, he would always break stuff in the house, whether it was breaking toys or breaking furniture or whatever. If something wound up broken in the house, you no, know, we say, oh, my brother did it. I'm not going to say his name because he'll, he'll get mad at me. <laughs> but he always would break things. And this particular one time, I believe it was either the lamp or the, the ceiling fan, something, it was broke, it was broken. And so automatically my mother, she went at my brother going in on him. And... Me and my sister, we was in the bedroom key keying it up because we were just glad we wasn't getting in trouble, right? And so my mother was yelling at him, and I'm sitting there like, what's, what's going on? Then she mentioned the broken ceiling fan or the broken light. And I was like, oh, he didn't do it. That, that was me. But yet, and I was, just, I was going to let it go because I'm thinking, oh, she'll just maybe tell me can't watch TV or take some toys away. Next thing I know, I hear my mother saying, let me go get my belt. And I was like, oh, get the belt. He's about to get a beating. So I, I, I felt kind of bad about it. So I said, ma, he, he ain't break it. I broke it. And I don't remember what happened after that. I think, I think we both got beatings. You know how that goes in the household. But I'll bring all that up to say this. My brother was about to take a beating that he didn't deserve. I deserved that beating. But... 
I came in and I intervened. But when it happened to Jesus, who Jesus, he took a beating for us. He, he substituted the beating for us. And no one stepped in to intervene. He had to take that beating. And he knew that. And as he knew that, he was trying to explain that to, his, to the disciples. And we got to understand all this as we go up to the great exchange. Even before the great exchange happened, it's pertinent that you, that you understand this. I'm going to go to the glasses on this because I got some squint print. But um, come with me to, to John 6, 48. When you get there, say amen. I can't hear you, but I'll start. John 6, 48 says, I am the bread of life. Okay. Jump down to verse 53 because it's a lot. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me. He shall also he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now, let me clarify something. This is not cannibalism. Jesus spoke in parables. He used personification. He used alliteration. He used metaphors. He used similes. So any foolishness about this being cannibalistic is exactly what it is. It's foolishness. He was not saying that. He was describing what was um, his body and with the bread. Jesus said, if you eat this bread, you'll have life in you. But this bread is me. So if you get me into your heart, you'll have eternal life. He was, trying to make the, he was making that comparison as he was talking to his disciples. Of course, you know, this is the Last Supper. And... He even goes on to say, even in 1 Corinthians, uh, 20, 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25. I'll read it to you. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. Jesus was telling his disciples, remember what happens here. Remember what is going on here. Because Jesus knew what he had to do. And he didn't want this moment to be forgotten. So, fast forward. What did he have to do? He had to go, he had to be crucified. And further to really understand this, you have to really listen to what happens. Pastor Wayne last week well, two weeks ago, spoke about how Jesus was beaten to the uh, point of we couldn't even recognize him. You know, he was beaten down. His face was marred to unrecognizable bleeding. And he was also beaten on his back. Not only did it break the skin on his back, but it also tore through the flesh. Like there was no skin left, but he was still getting beat. You know, the muscle in the flesh is exposed. So that's why he was talking about, the, you know, equating the, his blood to the wine and, and his body parts to the bread. 
He's like, this, is, this bread is broken, my body's gonna be broken. This wine is, is the blood and he's bleeding. And he's going through all of this and even before, and during those times when he's about to be crucified, they made you carry up your own cross. And it wasn't a cross made out of uh, popsicle sticks, it was some heavy wood. Now he's already beaten to a pulp and his back is all messed up. And now he has to carry this, this cross from where he was at through crowds of people to the point of execution. That's the equivalent today would be if you're about to be on the electric chair, you, it would make you carry the electric chair all the way down to the, to the electric room to be electrocuted. That's, that's, that's pretty cold. To make someone carry something that they're going to kill them with. So Jesus, Jesus went through that. And once, once he got to the place where they put him up on the cross, when he got there, he was stripped of his clothes, so now he's exposed to everybody. He had a crown of thorns around his head and not some sticker bushes. I mean, these was, these was thorns. He was, they actually pierced the, the skin on his, of his head and everything. So now he's bleeding from his head down because he's uh, thorns are in his head. He has spikes in his hands. And it was put there in such a way that some people say it was in the hands, some wrist, but it was in this area. So that even when, if you ever been in pain, you would try to grit your teeth and like, and clutch your fist to absorb the pain. He couldn't even do this because of the way his hands was positioned. And also his feet was, was also had spikes driven through him. Some scholars may say it was through his ankles, but it was down there. But the point is, where his hands was, if he tried to move down to, to relieve the pain from up in his hands, he would feel it down on his feet and ankles. And if he tried to move himself up, he would feel the pain in both his hands. And he couldn't even, the way he was positioned, it was hard for him to keep his head up. It was always down because of how they arranged his body up there. And remember, he was going through all of this. His blood and sweat is in his eye and he can't even wipe it out. It's probably 100, I don't know the temperature, but it was hot out or what have you, and, and uh, people there, they was mocking them. They were saying things like, oh, if you're the son of God, you know, why can't you get down there? Where's your, perform a miracle now and get yourself down from there. Or how is it that you done saved everybody else and you can't save yourself? And they went as far as to say, where's your God now? Why don't your God come and get you down from here? So there's people there that was like mocking them and they was teasing them and all this stuff. And it doesn't say it here in the, in the word, but I'm just thinking to myself, there's probably even buzzards flying overhead waiting for Jesus to die. And so he went through all of that. And even to the point where it got so bad where he, he had cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that point, God had left him. He was alone. He was, and, and to make matters, it didn't make it even worse, they even gave him some, uh, I want to say it was uh, some sour wine or vinegar. Like, what is that? This man is bleeding all to death and he's dying. And, you, and instead of giving him a cool drink, you give him some, some hot vinegar. And he did that, took a sip of the vinegar and he died. And he died before the other people that was there with him died. And to add insult to injury, yeah, it gets deeper. They didn't know if he was really dead. So they took a spear and they... And they jabbed them on the side. Instead, instead of poking them with a stick, they, they poked them with a spear and then blood came out and water came out. And 
it was overkill by that point. <clears throat> so why did I tell y'all all of that? Because all of that happened, and that was the when that happened, the divine exchange occurred. Okay, what's the divine exchange? Divine exchange. Not to get off track, but you got to understand what the divine exchange is. If you go back to where Adam fell, the fallen man, <clears throat> the fallen man, when Adam fell and disobeyed God, he gave his authority over to the enemy, over to the devil. Everything Adam had going on for himself, he gave it over to the enemy. So Jesus came and he had to undo what Adam undid. He had to put things right back in order. And that's what happened at, on, the, on the cross. We caught the, the divine exchange or the great exchange. Well, what was exchange, brother Frank? You know, what, what, what exchange there? I'll tell you what was exchange. <clears throat> Jesus, he became sin so we could be righteous. He became sick so we can be well, have health. He became poor so we could be rich. He was rejected so we could be accepted. He took on sorrow so we could have joy. And he died so we could live. That's the great exchange. Jesus did that for us. And he had to go through all that on the cross in order for that to, to occur, in order for that to take place. And that leads us to the cross. That's why the cross is so important, because all this took place on the cross. Now, the cross by itself, it cannot, it can't save you. So if you walk around with a cross, that's just holding it, it's not going to be able to save you. The cross outside of Jesus has no power. Huh? Has no power. The cross outside of Jesus has no power. Explain. It's the blood that was shed by Jesus on the cross that gives it its value, it gives it its relevancy, it, that gives it its power. For example, okay, I got some, I got some money here. And this money I have here, what gives this money its value? The gold uh, reserves that we have in Fort Knox, or the gold banks we have. The gold gives the money its value, economics 101. Jesus' blood on the cross gives the cross its value. So it's nothing to be played with. Um, not to understand that this is why during the communion time, Jesus always said, remember me, remember me. Not remember me to thump his chest and say, look what I did, but this is for you. Remember what went down here, this great exchange, this is for you. Just don't forget it. Because Jesus did not want the cross to be watered down. He did not want it to be taken lightly or to lose its importance. So how do we respond to, to Jesus dying on the cross? Very simple. Repentance of sins and total faith in Jesus. Because this cross is very important. And it's so important that, let me, you know, yeah, let me tell you this. And don't judge me, but a long time ago, I, to, I watched this movie and it was a it was a horror movie, okay. But I'm going somewhere with this. It was a horror movie, and it was it was called Fright Night, not the remake, but the one back in 1985. And make a long story short, it was this teenager. He found out he had a, a vampire living next door to him, so he told this guy that was on TV. This guy was like he was a he was a vampire a vampire killer on TV. So the so the teenager went to him and said, "Look, help me! I got a real life vampire." 
So the dude was like, yeah, whatever. So they went there. They encountered the vampire guy. And the vampire killer from TV pulls out this crucifix and says, get back. Go back to hell, you, 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 uh, you, you vampire, what have you. And the vampire started laughing. And he takes the, the cross and he crumbles it up. And the vampire tells the guy, look, you got to have faith in order for this to work. So the teenager, he pulls out his crucifix and he says, no, go back. And then the vampire was like, ah, because the teenager, he had faith in the cross, whereas the so-called vampire killer didn't. I also movie on those vampires, but the point, was, point is made that having faith in the cross will give it its power, will give it its value. Are you with me? If you are, let me see some thumbs up. Because you have to see this. You have to see the relevance of the cross. And cross is very important is not to be played with, even so much so that I say back in the late 90s, uh, there was a song called Hate Me Now by, by, his rapping, by the rapper Nas. And, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me clarify. Nas from the Illmatic fame. Nas who grew up in Queensbridge projects. Nas who grew up in my era, so it's not to be confused. Okay, <laughs> I have to clarify that. So Nas had the song called Hate Me Now, and there was a video for it. And Puff Daddy was associated with the video as well. But there was controversy with it because in the video, if you watch it, there's a, a reenactment of the crucifixion where Nas is going through the same thing Jesus went through putting on the cross. And even Puffy was in there. And, but it didn't sit well with Puffy being up on a cross. So he said, yeah. so he said, before this video comes out, take me, take that part out of it. I don't want to be associated with being on a cross and all that. Don't sit right with me. And unfortunately, when the video first premiered, it didn't cut it out. So he was in there and a whole lot of, whole lot of madness happened behind the scenes. But even to this day, it's, it's cut out now. But even to this day, before that video starts, it's a disclaimer that says, that talks about how the crucifixions have been going on all these years, but in no way is this video meant to mock that or to disrespect that Nas loves and believes in Jesus Christ. So they had to have a disclaimer from the video because they didn't want to really play around with the whole idea of being crucified and here this is a secular video. So why did I tell you all of that? Because the cross is, is not a toy. Let me, let me explain this to you. If you don't know what Jesus did on the cross or you forgot what Jesus did on the cross, then that tattoo of the cross you have on your arm is just the ink spot. If you don't know what Jesus did on the cross or if you forgot what Jesus did on the cross, then that chain you got with the Jesus piece swinging, it's just a piece of jewelry. If you don't know what Jesus did on the cross or if you forgot what Jesus did on the cross, then what you see behind me is just a piece of furniture, a nice decoration. You see, you cannot play with the cross. It has relevancy to it. It has meaning to it. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and it took place on the cross. Now, I know a lot of people out there, I'm not fussing, but I have to make this, I got to make this statement be known. Because <clears throat> other people are going to say, well, Jesus wasn't the only one who died on the cross. There were other people that died on the cross as well. What makes Jesus so special? I'm glad you, glad you think like that because I'm about to tell you. Let's get back to those nine points of those saving acts of God as it pertains to the gospel.
Jesus was born of a virgin. Those other men who died on there was not. Jesus walked, lived a sinless life, performing miracles and teaching and healing, preaching. Those other men, they lived a sinful life and they wasn't performing miracles and teaching and preaching. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Those men died on the cross for their sins for what they did. Jesus was resurrected. These men were not resurrected. Jesus ascended. These men did not ascend. Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father. These men did not sit at the right hand of the Father. Are you with me? And Jesus is coming back. These men aren't coming back. So boom, there it is. That's what makes Jesus dying on the cross so special. And it was his blood that did it. Um, stay with me here. I'm about to, let me, I'm about to wrap this up. So <clears throat> Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we may be saved. And you're asking, saved from what? He did all of this. And what are we saved from? Safe from God's wrath. And that's the good news. Really? Yeah, that's the good news. Listen to this. Jesus' crucifixion was, uh, was how man punished him for what he did for his crime. Well, not his crime, but what they, what they alleged for his crime. And Jesus took that punishment for us. He substituted. He stepped in instead of saying, having us go through this punishment. He did it. And this was man's way of, this was man's punishment. And so Jesus saying, I'm not saving you from that. I'm saving you from God's punishment, God's judgment, God's wrath, which is far greater than man's uh, judgment, man's wrath. This is where Petey always says, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. But the good news is that Jesus saved us. So, yes, you and I, we are that athlete and our lives is about to crash and burn and headed for self-destruction. But the good news is Jesus came, came to save us from that self-destruction, came to save us from crashing and burning. So remember that when you look at the cross, when we have communion, just remember what Jesus did in saving us, saving us from God's wrath. Glory to his word. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.